This episode of The Concession Stand is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host, or you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head on over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn to sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site and get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn, or just use the promo code popcorn at checkout for your first month free. And now, enjoy the show. Hey, this is your boy Dak from the 410 Gaming Podcast, and you are listening to the Concession Stand on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games, don't let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. to the Concession Stand Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we are glad to have you on board for episode number 62. I'm Nick Howell, and sitting across from me, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I am on a bit of a rampage today after seeing, womp, rampage, womp. With, after seeing rampage with you just a mere few hours ago. Hey, coming up later in this show, we're going to talk about some news from the Game of Thrones set as we wait yet another year for uh, season eight. Steven Spielberg hits another milestone, and you'll never believe what the most rented movie was in 2017 what but first nick tell us a little bit more about our network and where people can find us yes you can find this and many other shows over at orbitaljigsaw.com on fate you can find this show on facebook at facebook.com slash official concession stand or on twitter at concession stand come on over hang out with us let us know your thoughts on the show leave us reviews on itunes and facebook uh, and if you like what we're doing, head on over to patreon.com slash concession stand, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar and sign up to do your very own stone cold salute on an upcoming episode. Well, rampage, which Andy is the latest <laughs> in a giant action is the latest giant action movie from Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Yes. Okay. In a string of these that he's done also based on a video game, right? Which seems to be a running trend for him now, but we feel it kind of falls into a a much more important genre, what we would call the disaster movie. Sure. Right? So, I mean, it was a huge and surprising success in the 70s. Yeah, disaster movies, right? Right. And and it made, uh, you know, those kinds of movies made a big resurgence through the 90s with things like Independence Day and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now we're excited that they seem to be making a bit of a comeback, right? Even though a lot of them are cheesy and whatever, right? That's kind of the appeal, right? Yeah. So in this episode, we're going to take a bit of a history lesson, or we're going to give you a bit of a history lesson on the disaster movie. So we want to list out some of our favorites and try and figure out what makes them so popular. All right, so why don't you make sure your seats are locked in the upright position and get ready for the whatever other safety bulletin we want to give before we start our next thing on the disaster movies. All yes. Right. But for, I, I do want to say this before we get into it. Rampage is based on a video game. Yes. It's, it's technically a video game movie, but it's a disaster movie as far as I'm concerned. But is it a disaster movie? That's what we're going to get into in a minute, but okay. I just, a full disclosure. And one more thing about Rampage the movie. Why didn't they do a remaster of the old video game, like for Xbox One or PS4? I don't know. So you could be playing that right now? Because didn't you, immediately after you saw this movie, didn't you want to just play that old game where you climb up the buildings and punch things? Yeah, uh, Warner Brothers Marketing. Where were you at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, sorry. Uh, back to uh, the disaster movie. Now, according to definition, disaster movie, a disaster film or disaster movie, is a film genre that has an impending or ongoing disaster as its subject. And... 
its primary plot device. Right. Okay. Yep. These films often feature large casts of actors in multiple plot lines, focusing on the character's attempts to avert, escape, or cope with the disaster and its aftermath. All right, so based on that de- definition, are we calling Rampage a disaster movie? Well, I, I do want to give you a bit of a film history lesson. Oh, okay, okay. You, you touched on it a bit in the, in the little intro there, yeah. right? So as far as the disaster movie, it got its name in the movies from the 70s. The, uh, I believe Airport was the first one. And again, that had this giant cast of characters, like Burt Lancaster was in that one, um, some other big name, uh, George Kennedy, some big name people. And that was about a suicide bomber who had gotten on a plane and they worked together to land the plane. And then the air traffic controller people are all trying to get them to the ground. It's basically the right. movie that was spoofed in the movie airplane later. Sure. Right. Same thing. So that had just started because, you know, the movies in the late sixties, the easy riders, the Bonnie and Clyde's all that sort of like Vietnam ish anti-establishment thing was happening in Hollywood. So then the old guys decided let's make a sort of family friendly, everybody working together to, to solve a thing. And so airport happened. I think it cost like $10 million to make and it made like a hundred million. So they realized, Oh, this formula works where we can make these things where a big group of people will put a bunch of stars in them. So the airport movies are, I think there were three of them, like 75, 77. But then that also gave us beside adventure, which you may or may not have seen, or the remake with Kurt Russell beside adventure, of course, with, with like Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. And then you had towering Inferno, which is the Fox version. And that was with a, t- with a, with a building that caught on fire and everybody's trying to get out. And Paul Newman's in that. And Steve McQueen's in that, you know, it, these are big names for those times. And of course, Earthquake, the movie which turned into a universal ride where the semi does and all that sort of stuff. So we were seeing the disaster movie, which was essentially natural disasters and how groups of people would, you know, heroically uh, band rather, together yes, and, and solve it and, you yeah. know, survive and help everybody out. And that was the sort of version of the 70s. And then, as we all know, speaking of disaster movies, <laughs> right, we live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Which has been the site for many, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, including Volcano. Um, <laughs> yeah, Damn on, tar pits. Yeah, it happened on Miracle Mile, I think. Anyways, yeah. so then, of course, we get to uh, the Jaws and Star Wars coming out, and then suddenly the disaster movies kind of disappear because the 70s, late 70s and 80s is Spielberg Lucas time, right? And we get all the fantasy and space movies and all that such. And then we get to a point right after Jurassic Park ends, and then they suddenly make this movie that we grew up with in high school where the White House blows up. Right. And then suddenly, and the Empire State Building. Exactly. And then suddenly, uh, the disaster movie is back in a way because then that became Twister and became Armageddon and became all of these other things. And then 9 11 happens and then we stop blowing up buildings, right? For a little while. Kinda for a little few while, years. right? And then now we're, we're starting to see San Andreas and we're seeing Rampage. We're seeing Everest and we're seeing, like, you know, I, I feel like the disaster movie is back. But I think we want to kind of talk about what our versions of disaster movies are because I think you and I might have a differing opinion on it. I this. have a lot to say here. So, okay. I mean, based on, I want to go back to the definition that, that, you, that you used at the beginning. Um, frankly, you could call Batman versus Superman a, a disaster movie because buildings are being blown up and falling down. And if that's what we're saying, aliens yeah. are arriving. So is it a monster movie or is it a disaster movie? Same or? thing happens in the end of Avengers, right? right. Like New York, New York, gets decimated by all these aliens until uh, Iron Man flies up into the sky and stops the wormhole, sure. whatever it is. So at what point do we start to delineate or do we have shub, sub, sub genres, shrub, <laughs> shrub, shrub genres, sub genres for uh, disaster movies now? Are we going to put them into little, are, is it going to be natural disaster movies and monster disaster movies? Uh, yeah. and, it's, uh, it's tough. To me, the natural disaster is, is the true disaster movie. So when you have a volcano or you have a hurricane or you have three giant monsters trying to take down Chicago, no, wait, that doesn't count. <laughs> It's, right. it's almost like you have to have some sort of destruction on a mass scale. You have to have a bunch of like tents with military people trying to figure it out. 
<laughs> now they could stop it. There has to be some guy that's like, no, military guys gonna be like, I'm gonna do it this way. This and, is the way we do it. But there's some like specialist, like a Goldblum character from Independence Day or the Rocks character from the from uh, Rampage is like, no, 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 you need to do it this way. Think of the this. Think of the alien. Think of the the. You know, like there's always like a formula to this. Yeah. So. Yes, the giant monster movie, like it's it's like it's I get what you're saying. Like with Batman v Superman or even the Transformers movies you're talking about, yeah. right? Things are are exploding and stuff's blowing up and buildings are, you know, getting thrown across and the trains are getting thrown across the screen and monsters are punching each other in the face in the ocean and like that feels like a disaster because there's natural elements involved. But is it But is on, it world ending? So I think what uh, potentially, but is that a, is that an apocalypse movie or is that a disaster movie? Like a disaster is like, "Oh, there's an earthquake, one off." You know, apocalypse movie like you're talking like world ending. Now we're getting into the Armageddon, day after tomorrow, deep impact, yeah. the core. Sure. These are the ones where I see, um, you know, extinction level events to use to paraphrase uh, deep impact directly there. Uh, but I, I think it's that to me is is what makes a disaster movie. It almost needs to be a world ending thing. Monster movies are monster movies are monster movies. We can go all the way back to starting with Jaws. That's more of a horror thriller kind of thing. True. But it, when it's presented in comedy and action-adventure style, I don't know if that's still a disaster movie. I, f- I feel like that's the broad term for it, and I think we've come up with almost two sub-genres Shrub of genres. it. Shrub genres. Shrub genres. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sounds like, to me, we're saying there's disaster movies. Actually, there's three sub-genres. It's based on a natural disaster, like a current, like a hurricane or a fire or a uh, water or you know some element stopping you. Then there's the giant monster version or superhero version or giant robot version. Or Sharknado version. I don't know if we want to count Sharknado. I don't know. Sharks with chainsaws is pretty <laughs> terrifying. It's pretty disastrous. And then there is the world-ending apocalypse thing, which could also be a supernatural element. Is that a thing too? Like no, that's something you're like, about like demons and gods. No, nah, but like, like that. what was that movie with the Nicolas Cage? Every one of them. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Knowing. I think Alex Proyas directed it. It was about like I don't know. Okay, fine. We're, we're going to say uh, natural disaster, giant monster, and. Apocalypse. apocalypse movies yes okay so apocalypse now just kidding no that doesn't count that's the 80s vietnam stuff you were referencing earlier so here's a question where does deep blue sea and lake placid and anaconda where do those fall into this they're monster movies in my opinion right but it's not as much of a natural disaster thing that's like uh, so then the sharknado i think falls into that it's like us versus like a is it based on destruction? Do buildings have to uh, explode or does some sort of event or the crumbling of some sort of infrastructure or structure or normalcy or community, does something like that have to happen for us to call this a disaster movie? I, like, I don't know. In Wizard of Oz, there's a tornado that sends a house up into the air. Like At a certain point, it goes from being a disaster movie to a fantasy movie. It's arguably more terrifying. Is when Godzilla you land. is Godzilla disaster movie? I don't, it's arguably more terrifying in Wizard of Oz when you, the house lands and you're surrounded by little people and they're all singing to you. That's more terrifying to me than the tornado. But at the same time, I mean, if we take the idea of a monster out of it and just look at it as a protagonist antagonist perspective, yeah. the antagonist could be a giant alligator in Lake Placid, or it could be a huge asteroid in space. True. That you're, I mean, you're trying to. Work, that's the antagonist angle that you're working, and you're sending people to defeat that thing, whatever that thing is. So, yeah, technically, you could make all of this into a disaster movie formula, just putting different elements of the different shrub genres. I'm going to keep saying that now. <laughs> Me! That's what uh, it is. Across the, uh, <laughs> all of the different styles. So the formula works regardless of what shrub genre you end up in, right? I, I, I feel like there has to be like a sense of like science and realism to this. By that, I mean an earthquake could happen. Three giant monsters that are created by some sort of pathogen that then makes them climb up the Sears Tower and punch it a bunch and things explode, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Still talk about Rampage because we just saw it. Yeah. 
That's awesome, but it's not possible. Right, like right? the center, the, 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 world, the, the swirly world. of the middle of the earth aliens, stopping aliens moving. coming and taking out the White House. While that is technically a disaster movie, maybe a sci-fi movie, not quite. Like to me, it's like Twister. It's like Day After Tomorrow. That could happen. Earthquake could happen. Towering Inferno could happen. Like my what's a twenty twelve? But that's all based on the Mayan thing, right? So that's that could happen. Like to me, there's like a there has to be like a sense of realism for it to be a disaster movie. Like things that are beyond human control. Okay, that's an interesting concept because then you start to bring in the things when they're outside of human control. You there's always an element of the formula for the disaster movie where there's humans going above and beyond what we thought was possible, such as I don't know landing two space shuttles on an asteroid and <laughs> drilling into it. <laughs> And getting, right. he's got space dementia. Right, but there's also science involved, so we think that could happen. Allegedly. Right, right. But there Based is a, science. Right, and that's but, what makes the cheesy corniness of disaster movies so much fun. So does this thing that we just saw kind of fall in the middle of that? Yes, it falls okay. directly in line with that because some random diabolical you know, pharmaceutical company has come up with this <laughs> gas that you can just inhale and all of a sudden you're going to start growing by you know exponential numbers. So in that case, is the antagonist of the film the diabolical company that's creating this stuff that is trying to reharvest it, or is it? Sure. You know, sorry if we're giving away any kind of spoilers here, but it's 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 a rock movie called Rampage. We're not ruining anything. We're not ruining anything. There's giant monsters that punch buildings, just like in the video game. Yes, that happens. Yes, in the movie, and when, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's that a lot part of fun. is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, back to the story here. I, I, for me, when I think of disaster movies, I almost apply an immediate kind of cheese factor yes. to it. Um, Geostorm is probably the most recent example <laughs> so of this. Bad. It's so bad, it's good. Yeah, like Independence Day 2, are we counting that, or are we saying that's sci-fi now? Uh, no, I mean, that's a disaster movie, technically. I mean, they're back, right. and they're pissed. You and know, they're, they're, just, here to, they're here to mess shit up. Yes. Stuff. So I, is, uh, if you look at the original Independence Day, I consider that a disaster movie because it is potentially world-ending. Yeah, but what do you remember more about that movie? Do you remember the aliens or do you remember the White House blowing up? That's the thing that everybody remembers, those trailer shots of Empire Strikes Back, or Empire Strikes Back, Empire State Building, boom, you know, White House, boom, Capitol Building, boom. Like, I, like you've never seen that before. That, to me, is disaster. Sure, but at the same time, I, what I remember from the film the most is them flying into the giant mothership at the end. That's what I remember, and then having the, the air air battles, you know, all the little the science uh, fiction fan on. in me should say that, but I'm I'm I I still lean towards, and maybe it's because I saw that trailer ten million times. Well, they bludgeoned us over the head with those images. I was also images. working in a movie theater at the time, so yeah. I saw it like fourteen times a day. Well, this begs the question: um, do, just because buildings blow up, does that automatically qualify it to like checkbox? I'm a disaster movie, right? I said that a, a couple of minutes ago, but we never actually sort of solved that. So I'm glad you brought that back up. Um, no, because in, in Die Hard, the building blows up, and that's not a disaster movie. That's a terrorist thriller. Does it, though? It's an action-adventure movie. Does in, the building blow up? Yeah, at the top of the building blows up, sure. It's because they set that's off a disaster, the, but the, the explosives. The, the building doesn't crumble to the ground because they didn't have the CG to do it at the time. Yeah, but Los Angeles wasn't left in ruin. No. It was a building. No. Um, yeah, I mean, only Oklahoma was left in ruin in Twister. It's still a disaster movie. Uh, or a certain portion of Oklahoma. I consider Twister to be an action-adventure movie. Yeah, I consider it's, that a disaster movie because once you have that natural tornado involved, disaster movie. Uh, okay. I don't think we're ever going to agree on But this, this is one. a good conversation. Yeah, it is, totally. Um, and I, listeners, let us know what you guys think because we're curious. How do you... When I think of disaster movie, I immediately go to something that's apocalyptic and I, I can't get my head around... That to you is a disaster. That's a disaster, right? But it, you make a fair point. So what I'm what I'm thinking of, instead of calling it a disaster movie, I should call it a natural disaster movie. Oh, okay, right? Because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. technically what these are, sort of based on climate or right. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Depending on the speed of the wind. 
So are they making a comeback is the question. Uh, did we, we did, unless you count War of the Worlds, which I do consider, which was like 2004. It's a sci-fi remake was, of a thing, though. Of but, like I a mean, book. look at the ones we've, we've had like Day After Tomorrow and things like That's that. That's definitely a disaster. Uh, and those are all kind of based on the rhetoric around and the narrative around climate change. Sure. Uh, a lot of those. And even Geostorm, to an extent, is loosely based around the climate change being the trigger point that led us to the events of that movie. But... Uh, I don't know if if we go back. Why did we take a break uh, between of blowing up buildings after nine eleven? I'm asking this rhetorically because yeah. I know, but I, I kind of want to hear yours and the listeners' thoughts on this one. Was it necessary to do that? Was it in good taste to do that? Up to that point, I think the last uh, couple of disaster movies, like it would have been like Titanic in ninety seven, technically would be a disaster movie. Really? Yeah, because if you think about it, uh, the one night to remember or whatever. Or yeah, the 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 movie from the '40s about the Titanic going down is considered a disaster. Or the Insignia Molly Brown, right? Poseidon Adventure, same yeah. thing. That's um, not a romantic. So you comedy. had that, and then you had you had the Godzilla from '98, the one with the Jimmy Page and Puff Daddy song. Remember that one? Oh yeah, with, with Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, horrible. But that's I think that's a '98 movie. Armageddon '98, and then September 11th is 2001. So I can't remember other big ones between '98 and 2001. But then. If you really look at the way movies were going from 2001 on, obviously I think they were staying away from things that dis, you know destroyed big buildings. But 2001 is right about the time that your Lord of the Rings, your superhero genre, all that kicked off. Star right Wars there. kicked back. Yes, yep. all that was kicking off. So then, and then uh, Matrix was 99. So that's when all of that started. So post 9/11 world, I think went more towards the back to the fantasy side. So we had Lord of the Rings with the superhero genre starting. We had matrix, we had star Wars and that basically got us through the mid two thousands. And then it starts to kick up again, maybe with, um, I can't think of it, but, but what we, what we were speculating before is suddenly it was okay when buildings were starting to explode and getting decimated and people running from them when it was a transformer punching it or a superhero punching it. Transformers is probably the first one that I can think of. I believe it was 2008. The first Transformers movie, when they were having some of those big fights in yeah. the city and slinging each other around through buildings carelessly, and yeah, the sort of collateral damage we don't think about. Exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, you know, going forward from there, it's we haven't really had a lot of it. Still, this was the one of the first movies, I guess, since BBS in the last five or six years that I've seen where there was just like rampant. Uh-huh. Rampage, rampage, <laughs> destruction of, of well, even a man, structures. even a man of steel when he's when they're having the big oh, battle yeah. through Kansas and they're throwing trains and stuff. I mean. For the for the superhero fans, like great, this is what it looks like in a comic book. Had you done that in two thousand two, you know, I think people still would have been sensitive to the events of nine eleven and building an ash and people, you know, and what we had gone through as a country and a nation for that. And I think people were still more sympathetic to people who were there when it happened. Um, but then now suddenly, when you go see a movie like Rampage, and this is happening in just as big of a metropolitan area as Chicago, never once did I think to myself like, oh man, what about that person that was in that office building that you know the werewolf just threw the uh, gorilla at yeah, no, no, crocodile just crawled exactly through, right? instead i was like oh that's awesome you know yeah. it's like you 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 sort of you you take your um your your sympathy that or the, your built-in sort of compassion for people when you when you go into a movie like this you're just you're actually kind of rooting for the destruction check, and, check and that's, your moral compass that's, at the exactly, door exactly that's actually one of the kind of things that we wanted to get into too is like sort of the psychology behind the appeal of these things like what is it is it is it that we want to see what we would like for instance on a natural disaster movie like we talked about do we do we sort of put ourselves in the hero's um um shoes because typically it is in every man that is dealt you know this like oh am i i'm either trying to rescue my family or my friends or something and they get help from some kind of scientist but usually it's an every man that we're supposed to relate to is it to give us the sense of what we might do if we were in that natural disaster is that what you're thinking i mean that's what i'm thinking 
Not not particularly. I think it's it's not about relatability to the audience. I think it's the realistic possibility that it could happen yeah. in real life. Okay, like it's it's very possible that there could be a guy who is uh, a primatologist at a zoo that has figured out how to sign language with a with an ape. Yeah, that's cool. That's to me that's very realistic. I could totally see that happening. What you learn about later in the film is, is more detailed and kind of makes you go eye roll a little bit, but. Having a guy that knows how to sign language with a gorilla and be able to control a gorilla? I mean, sure. Does it get a little bit more far-fetched when you have Chris Pratt doing it to uh, uh, velociraptors <laughs> in Jurassic World? Yeah. yeah, that's a little more far-fetched and not so realistic, but yeah. I think I think we're, we're talking about two different things here. I think what I'm talking about is in the natural disaster movies. Like, for instance, if there was a tornado coming and I was this guy, that's kind of how... I think that's the appeal of, of the natural disaster movie. How would we react in that situation, which actually could happen? I think what you're getting at is is also true where we've, we've, like you've said, checked our sort of like um, uh, verisimilitude or believability at the door when we go into something like this. You and I both went into this theater today knowing full well this is not going to be Gandhi. Right. You know? <laughs> you know. So we were we, like, and I, I, there were a couple of times we were looking at our watches being like, okay, get to more of the blowing stuff up. We paid $13 to go see The Rock blow stuff up and to see a bunch of creatures break a bunch of buildings. And did we get that? Absolutely. Did we get enough of it? Probably not, but I enjoyed it. I had a blast. <laughs> well done. Womp womp. Well, hey, let's let's kind of close this out with, um, first of all, I want to hear what you guys have to say, listeners. Um, where do you think we sh- should we develop a bunch of shrub genres <laughs> for each of the kind of disaster movies, or are you kind of set in your own ways about what is and is not a disaster movie? So, Andy, why don't you start off by giving me, I, I don't know, your three top disaster movies that come to your head so if we're saying from our three shrub categories one from each (laughs) yes okay uh one apocalyptic one natural disaster or climate based and one monster based apocalyptic i can't not go with armageddon Uh, i don't know i don't know how i just i don't know how i don't pick that you can't turn it off unless unless do we count the ten commandments as as armageddon like when he parts the red sea that's a good point i mean that's kind of a disaster movie but not really but more of a natural disaster i just opened up a whole can of worms i'm gonna stick with armageddon because you had bruce willis you had the great aerosmith song you had michael baby and michael bay things blowing up great yeah somehow like you said landing two space shuttles on an asteroid yeah in full speed and he's got space dementia (laughs) right uh monster apocalypse movie i'm gonna have to go with pacific rim i don't know why i just love the destruction that happens in that movie, like the like one of the robots hits the other robot with a boat, like a tanker. I don't know why I like that so much. Uh, and then natural disaster. My gut wants me to go with Towering Inferno because it's the one that I remember the most. But my soft spot has always been for Twister. I don't know why. I think it's because I have a recurring nightmare about tornadoes. Yeah. This is a crazy thing. I used to live <laughs> in the Midwest. And I used to be deathly afraid of them. I want to go on riding in one of those. Yes, chaser I do things. too. As I get older now and I'm like, whatever, you know, and I love watching the, the tornado channel or weather channel, whatever. So tornado those, are, channel. Those, are, those, are, those would be my three. I wish that existed. What about you? If you had to pick your three, what's your, uh, what's your natural disaster movie? It's arguable about whether it's a it's a natural disaster, but since in the vein of... <laughs> the whole thing is arguable, but I want to hear it. Go right, ahead. right. Um, the core. I have a huge oh, yeah. weak spot for the core um, because the idea of... One, it's got Lawrence Fishburne in it, which yes. I love, and Stanley Tucci, which is he's still, to this day, one of his most brilliant performances <laughs> uh, as, as just a cheesy douchebag, but coring down to the middle of the earth to light off nukes to re... To get it to spin again, right? Reignite <laughs> the earth's core. Just, it's so far-fetched and so cheesy, and it's so, so good. Uh, and Hilary Swank is, is in that one as well. One of her earlier performances, if I remember right, but... Um, that's my, I, I, it's, 
I don't know if I want to consider it a natural natural disaster one, but apocalyptic uh, deep impact. Really? Because Morgan Freeman's you're the just, president. You're just saying that because I said Armageddon because those two movies were against each it's, other that you summer. Know, it's funny that they came out at the same time, but I, I definitely have a weak spot for Morgan Freeman being the president. Yes. And just nothing works out for him. No. It's like every single step of, of stage of that movie. Um, and Elijah Wood is in that one. I, I'm a fan of his as an actor. So it just that's the one that Armageddon is great for what it is, yeah. right? From cheesy five-star disaster movies, it is about <laughs> as good as it gets. So I didn't want to just say Armageddon, but Deep Impact for me is another one of those that has that, that level of cheese but is still really well done. And I guess for monster movies, I'm going to lump Aliens into that one uh, as a monster, quote-unquote. Disaster, though? Yeah, I guess it is. It's kind uh, of- I'm going to say Independence Day. Uh, aliens oh. coming oh, to attack. Oh, I thought attack. you meant Aliens, the movie. No, no, no. no, 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 no okay. No, no, no. Uh, that's, that's, they're on another planet. They're in another universe. Um, but no, uh, Independence Day is probably my favorite monster-ish that's kind of movie. I, that's all three of those are respect. Yep. And so there you have it, our sort of um, discussion about disaster movies. I'd say we got through that relatively unscathed. Would you agree? Yes, relatively undisastrous. Yes, yes. <laughs> it hey. wasn't a disaster. <laughs> How was your week? It was pretty good, man. Uh, continued work going on on Orbital Jigsaw just consumes my life at this point. Uh, absolutely love uh, working with all the shows that we have, in, uh, including this one, which I hope we're ramping back up to be something big. We have some new cover art and some new music on the way. Ah. Stay tuned for that, listeners. Uh, we did just go see Rampage. Yep. Um, from a, We're not going to do a full review on it because... It doesn't deserve it. It's not worthy of it. It's it's The Rock, who is has become a great movie star, arguably one of the biggest movie stars in the world right now, has great comedic timing, and essentially carries the entire movie yes. on his shoulders, which rightfully so. It's a lot of fun, and like we said previously, if you can check your kind of moral compass at the door, it's one of those things where you're just going to have a lot of fun seeing this. It's about 20 minutes too long. Yeah. Needed chopping out in Act 2 a little bit, but other than that, man, it's... It's a lot more fun than I expected it to be. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan did a really good job in it, yeah. too. I thought he gets he, to steal a bunch of stuff. So, yeah. Like he walked off of the Walking Dead set and straight onto <laughs> Pretty uh, much. this Rampage movie set. Pretty much. Just put on it's a nice the same jacket. character if you watch Walking Dead. Uh, the other thing I've been watching is the new Lost in Space. Yes, I want to hear about this. Oh, my God. This, this plucks every sci-fi geek string in my body. Nice. It sets off everything, because, and I'm only three episodes into it. Out of 10, or what is it? Is it 10? What? 10 episodes? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I haven't even looked, to be honest. I don't wow. care. I okay. hope there's 100. Oh, wow. Um, that's how good this is. Uh, I'm having a blast watching it. Is it anything? There are a lot of call-outs to the old series. And, you know, it's just a good old-fashioned space, sci-fi, foreign planet, how do we survive kind of thing. And I, without saying much more, because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, it's, to me as a sci-fi geek, it's must-watch material. All right. Um, it, it, you're going to have an absolute blast doing it. It's not for everybody. I'll openly admit that. If you're not really into sci-fi and adventure and, and kind of fantasy worlds like this, you're probably not going to have that much fun, but give it a shot. Give it that first episode okay. because I'd, I'd bet you'd be pretty excited by the end of that. Um, how about you, Andy? What's been going on with you? Um, I watched that Andre the Giant documentary on HBO. Wasn't oh. it good? Oh, my goodness. If, if We're both huge wrestling fans, you obviously, um, but to watch that was a bit of a trip down memory lane for me as a kid at the same time, then you hear a bunch of stories about him and he was always kind of a mysterious guy. Cause he lived in a pre-internet age, yeah. you know, and it was always sort of stories told through legend. And this documentary does a good job of actually telling us those stories and those legends from people who were there and saw it all happen. So if you ever had any interest in him, or maybe if you only, only know him from the princess bride, they touch on that a little bit. Um, that it's, it's a really good documentary. It's a really good, um, sort of look into the past. It's strange how, how it, the stuff that where they, they break down the WrestleMania three match with him and Hogan is just fantastic to me. 
um, because I, I remember every second of that match. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of TV for me. Obviously, the Stanley Cup playoffs started, so you know I'm a hockey guy. I'm into the hockey thing. The Kings are probably going to get bounced tonight and get swept, but whatever. There's some still some good hockey being played. Uh, I am halfway through The Wire. I know I talked in the last podcast about how I started that, so I am now halfway through season three with a season and a half to go, and I just can't stop watching it, which is one of the reasons I have, have not watched Lost in Space, but that's on my list. Um, and, of course, because we watch Under the Giant, I showed the kids The Princess Bride the first time all the way through. Usually Were they, they ready for it? Usually they always get uh, get scared off when they get to the screaming eels part in, yeah. the, in the water. Uh, but we made it through that, and then we made it through the roads of unusual size, and we got all the way to the end, and they loved it, and it was so great. And so that movie just holds up. It's just so perfect, and it's so tight, and everything. It's just so well done. I love that movie. Going back to the documentary, I did watch it as well, and I'll give my kind of wrestling perspective real quick. Um, the only thing that stands out as something that you know Vince McMahon is notorious for rewriting history. Yeah, and one of the things that they do is they try to run records really long to erase things that have happened in the past. So the idea here was. You know, they were trying to rewrite some of the history of how things went down leading into the match at WrestleMania three between on did they know, did they not know? Well, this is exactly why they told the narrative exactly the way they did, because they wanted it to be in the record books their way. My guess is that that's not how it went down. And there's a few other sources that have confirmed that, yes, of course Hulk Hogan knew exactly how the match was going to end at WrestleMania 3. And, you know, it's one of those things. I'm sorry, I said Hulk Hogan. Vince McMahon knew that how the match was going to end and how it was going to go out. Hulk may or may not have known, but Vince definitely did know, and he chose not to tell him. In the documentary, he played it as if he didn't know, but it'll be fine. Andre's going to put you over. That kind of stuff. Other than that, yes, F- to see a seven foot four Frenchman come and find a r- little ranch in North Carolina in the middle of nowhere, yeah, uh, in Ellerby to to build this big. Pl- it's fantastic. Go watch it. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, everybody knows who the eighth wonder of the world is, and he was a very generous and giving man. Uh, but I can't imagine what it's like to be seven foot four and five hundred pounds just living day to day life. Yeah, you stand out everywhere you go. So they really highlight on that stuff. Oh, and Ric Flair had my quote of the movie. He says he went out with Andre the Giant one night, and by the time they left, they had consumed 106 beers. Now, that rivals our Tiger Woods nights from long ago, but... (laughs) (laughs) Not even close, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not even close on our part, I should say. Yeah. But 106 beers. I bet Rick might have had 20 of those 106. So anyway, a lot of good fun. Uh, What's your call? Who's going to win the Stanley Cup playoffs this year? Um, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. What? Holy smokes. Okay, well, you heard it here first, folks. Hey, and you know what the NHL playoffs are also full of? What's that? Quick hits. All right, so. Well played. Uh, Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Series. Remember, we had talked about this show coming. We were all excited about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Now I'm we, still very excited about more, it. More information has come to light, my friend. Okay. Five seasons. Ah. No matter what, they're doing five seasons of this. The rights themselves, back in November, they beat out Netflix for the rights to this. They paid $250 million for the rights. That's not production costs. There's no production cost whatsoever. If you got to figure it's going to get close to a billion if they're going to do five seasons of this thing, right? So it'll oh. easily become the most expensive show ever made. Uh, and the best part about this is the contract states that it has to be in production within the next two years. So it has to be in production by not this November, but next November. Which means we could be starting to see some Lord of the Rings stuff within the next couple of years. 
I know you get excited about that. Isn't there some other book coming out? That, that, that they, what was that book? Fall of Gondolin or something like that? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, Tolkien's big battle book. Uh, whatever. It's coming out this year. Some more Tolkien. I'll for- read it. I know you will. It's, it's, I'll tell you guys all about it as soon as I get my hands on it. Give me a month to read it, and I'll be good. Okay. Uh, hey, while we wait for another year of Game of Thrones, it's been reported that one of the battle scenes in the upcoming final season eight, I guess is the right number there, took 55 nights to film it. Holy smokes! One scene. That's like the production of like some movies is fifty five oh days or fifty five nights. God. Right? Here is a letter from the producer people to the people that worked on said scene for season. Oh, eight. okay. I'm going. I found this. I'm going to read this to you. Ready? Okay. First line. This is for the night dragons for enduring fifty five straight nights for enduring the cold, the snow, the rain, the mud, the sheep shit of tomb, and the winds of Margaramorn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when tens of millions of people around the world watch this episode a year from now, they won't know how hard you worked. They won't care how tired you were or how tough it was to do your job in the sub freezing temperatures. They'll just understand that they're watching something that's never been done before, and that's because of you. Thank you, producer types. Season eight. Game of Thrones. Damn. Wow. Damn. Now I want to see it. Yes. Already. I, I'm, I'm sensing White Walkers. We're sub, sub-zero temperatures. It's at night. I mean, I, night, I, heard, I heard dragons. Called them night dragons. I don't know what that means, but uh, we only have to wait a year. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, you teased earlier, and I have to know <laughs> right now. You said last year's most popular Blu-ray DVD and digital rental. You'll never believe it. I tried to guess at this or tried to come up with it in my head. Uh, you promised you wouldn't tell me until we got on the show. And I, I, full disclosure, I do not know what Andy is about to say to everybody listening on the show. So, Andy, what is last year's most popular based on what, I'd ask? Based on, okay, based on Blu-ray rentals, DVD rentals, and digital rentals. I don't know if this rentals. includes... Yes, I don't know if this includes Netflix or anything, right? Okay. 2017 rentals, number one. Actually, I'll give you number three. Number three, just to give you some suspense. Number okay. three, Wonder Woman. Oh, shit. Number uh, two. That, that was what I was going to guess. Number two, Moana. That that movie came out in 2016, but it rentals throughout 2017, Moana. Number one, you're never going to believe this. Who is your favorite math wizard, but also an assassin at the same time? Ben Affleck in The Accountant. That was the most rented movie in 2017. Can you believe that? I, I honestly am at a complete loss for words. That was not a good film. It was... It was most rented. Holy There's a lot of people who rented it who probably agree with you. Not Logan, not John Wick, not Wonder Woman, not... Oh, my God. I am not making this up. This comes from a very reputable news source, right? Yep. (laughs) Previous MPAA reports have focused on theatrical spending, but this year's edition brings in stats for home video rentals and sales, as well as an overall look at streaming revenues. But get to that. First, let's talk about this whole thing with the accountant. Studios traditionally hold home video numbers close to their vest. It makes it easier to screw people over who have profit sharing in their contracts. Full sales figures in the individual films aren't included, but we do get a picture of the winners and losers based on the rankings. The accountant won out in rentals across the board. In dollar and quantity? I guess so. Like if they put it on iTunes this for is a dollar, t- nine, I could see 2017 top 25 U.S. digital rentals. Source, Comscore, Dynamic, Studio Share, and Digital Download Essentials Industry Services. I mean, I'm, they sound real, right? The Accountant, Moana, Wonder Woman, Arrival, Sing, Guardians of the Galaxy, Trolls, Logan, Hidden Figures, Beauty and the Beast. There's your top 10. Beauty and the Beast was 10th? I know. Girl on the Train, 11. Boss Baby, 12. Hacksaw Ridge, 13. Passengers, 14. Get Out, 15. Accountant. The Accountant. 
I never saw it. I, I, it's it's not a good film. It's it's an okay film. It's a wannabe gangster film. It's nah, you know. Wasn't quite a quick hit, but it, it deserves some time because of how <laughs> crazy that that notion is. I, you know, if I would like to hear from you, listeners, Do, are you surprised by that? Did you rent yeah. the accountant with Batfleck or I mean, whatever? Because <laughs> that was during Batfleck time frame. But uh, I, I saw it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I don't know how in the world it's the number one digital rental, digital and Blu-ray and DVD. Let's not forget that. Oh, so for God. the for the red boxes and the and the whoever still rents stuff. Well, hey, I got one that's a little bit more unbelievable for you. Go for this it. This is for the gamers that are out there. So did you play GTA 5, Grand Theft bit. Auto 5? A little bit. It's on my... I did, too. I played it for quite a while. Uh, between, I was between games, and I just I exclusively played GTA for a long time. But it has now made more money than any film, book, or game ever. Really? To the tune of 90 million units sold okay. and $6 billion in total revenue. Wow. B- billion with a B. Yeah. And it might as well be bajillion at this point. <laughs> I've never heard of a video game making six billion dollars, but they have a lot of that. They, they once once they sold the individual game, yeah. they then opened up GTA Online, right. and then they started doing little expansions like heists and things like that. It, I can see where they just continue to stack on top of that. World of Warcraft's been doing it for fifteen years. There's there's no telling how long they could take. They this haven't GTA. sold six billion. I guess they haven't made six billion in revenue, have they? Not in total revenue, probably not. No, it's amazing. And that $6 game and that billion game dollars. That game came out in what 2013, just before the well, didn't they start on PS3 and then they made a PS4 version or the yep. same thing on Xbox? Yep. Oh, man, six billion dollars. So that game's been going in one way or another for about five years, Almost, right? Yeah. And their next big one is uh, Red, Red Dead, Dead 2. later. Yeah, okay. uh, whenever they actually decide to give us a solid release date and stop delaying it, Rockstar, because that's what you do. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of money, Nick, um, it turns out that with Ready Player One success, Steven Spielberg's movies have now grossed at the box office worldwide upwards of 10 bajillion. Not upwards. He has crossed over. Yeah. The threshold crossed over of $10 billion. $10 bajillion. Dollars. He has now made $10 <laughs> bajillion dollars just in ticket sales. I, you know what, I, I, I told you this before the show, I hate that we already did our Spielberg episode covering that documentary, but I, I want to take a minute and talk about Spielberg again. I think the next closest one was like six billion. Six and a half, Peter Jackson. So, I mean, there is nobody that has anywhere near this amount of a catalog or the amount of box office, and this is just pure box office numbers, Correct. right? It has nothing to do with like video sales or right. any of that. No. Yeah. So this is insane. It's it's insanely good, and it just tells you that he consistently makes good product, and he just keeps making stuff. I mean, let's yeah. be honest; he's been making movies for forty some years, yeah. right? So, and he's got time to go. Sure, I mean, he's, he's got another he's Indiana 71. Jones, got another Indiana Jones movie coming. He's got uh, who else? I mean, you could say that like Cameron was at four million, I think, when we saw when we were looking at this list earlier. He's got like five Avatar movies coming. And He's doing a Terminator. So or he's say, producing a Terminator. Let's say each one of those makes a billion, you know, worldwide of the Avatars. There's now he's up to nine. You know, he could be he could catch up, but it's not like Spielberg stops. That's right. the thing. He's still got another ten movies in him. I bet. Sure, so. sure. It's still it's quite an impressive thing. I mean, when you look at like Ridley Scott, you look at Scorsese, you look at uh, you know all of the five, right? De Palma and all those guys. Nobody comes anywhere close. To, to what Spielberg has done. No. It's they, insane. But they also don't have the... the when you talk of the Scorsese and the, and the Ridleys, they don't have the commercial craziness Appeal, that he does. Yeah. Ridley, True. maybe. I think actually Ridley was number 10. Ah, uh, good point. But, um, yeah. Hey, one more thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, one, of our, one of our heroes and one of everybody's heroes turns... Not really turns, but has another milestone. We know we talked about a Spielberg milestone. Uh, Superman 
Uh, Action Comics number 1,000. Wow. Issue 1,000 comes out tomorrow, and that is a pretty cool thing. Uh, superhero or Superman was my first favorite superhero. I know he was your first, so that's quite a cool thing. I'm actually going to – I've been a digital comics guy for a while, but I think I'm going to have to go into the comic shop tomorrow and actually pick up a paper book. I might buy, a, I of, might buy that book. Yeah. Of Action 1,000. So I think it is uh, without question – we will give Mr. Superman himself the OG of superheroes, right? He will get the Stone Cold Salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Well, that's our show for this week, guys. Uh, be sure and tune in next week. We're going to, uh, with Avengers Infinity War coming out, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, yeah. we're going to be doing our kind of overview of the full Marvel Universe and every every film not a full review of every film, but the order in which we think you should watch them. And if you haven't seen any of them or you're not familiar with the Marvel Universe, this is going to be one of those quick catch-ups with the movies in our order that we think you should watch them in to be, prepare yourself to be ready to see Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, it's just going to be a quick take, like it just sort of like a catch-up version. And like, let's say you haven't watched any of the 18, you want to kind of get up to speed. We're going to try and do a, a fast version that's better than something you're going to read on the internet. You'll hear it from us, so it's yes. going to be good. Yes, as always, you can find this show on Facebook at facebook.com slash official concession stand. Come over and find us on Twitter. We love hanging out with you guys and chatting. At concession stand is our Twitter handle. Uh, if you like this show and love what we do, uh, head over to patreon.com slash concession stand. Throw a buck in the tip jar. Uh, sign up to do your very own stone cold salute. We love hearing uh, your feedback. Be sure to go to iTunes and Facebook. Leave us a review, whichever is more comfortable for you. We love hearing from the listeners. And lastly, if you want to pick up some merch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store. That'll take you right to our Tee Public store where you can pick up a t-shirt, hoodie, coffee mug, phone case, all that good swag to rock to let us know that we are your favorites. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at Andy Nelson76, also on Twitter. But until next time, later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.